As the official healthcare provider of Minnesota United, Alina Health is focused on keeping our loons in top condition. And with expertise in orthopedics, sports medicine, heart care, and more, Alina has the team to keep your family in the game too. The experts at Alina Health take the time to get to know you as a whole person, helping you achieve wellness for your mind, body, and spirit. It's an altogether better kind of healthcare. Learn more at alinahealth.org. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Sound of the Loons presented by Alina Health. And this time we are rolling right into September, just crossed over Labor Day. I still don't fully understand the like, don't wear white after Labor Day. <laughs> I haven't figured that one out, but um, I get to be joined today by Manny Lagos, who's going to sort of give us the full-blown update on Minnesota United. I can't believe there's what, eight, nine games left games. in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, it's just nuts um, that I can't believe we're at this point because it just feels like you know, we were talking about the midway point, a third of the way through after the all-star break leagues cup, so much going on. So first of all, thank you so much, Manny, for joining me here today. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. Um, I know you and I were just kind of chatting before we started this thing about the current state of Minnesota United and specifically coming back from the San Jose game. But after leagues cup, which Minnesota United had a tremendous run in leagues cup and didn't, you know, maybe go out on the note that they wanted to, and you guys wanted to with the, the loss in Nashville, but kind of just jump started a little bit right after the leagues cup. And you guys had a little bit of a break, not a ton of a break. It's, it's weird how everyone's schedules were so different, depending on how far you made it in leagues cup. What did you make of the team since leagues cup has ended? And then also just, you know, the current run of form in that Minnesota United just has to capitalize on their home home games and and try to get some points on the road. Yeah, I, I would say, um, you know, really proud of the guys response uh, in the League's Cup. I thought it was an outstanding run. And obviously, we were a little disappointed at the end, but I just thought it was a great run, probably highlighted by the, the home Toluca win and just the atmosphere at Allianz Field was amazing. Um, and I think just the mentality of of using that to kind of, you know, get ready for these last two months. So, um, and within, you know, undefeated in three games, undefeated in six, if you go back before the Leeds Cup. So we're in a nice run of form. I think it's a really credit to the guys of just understanding the the last two months, you know, have a little bit more tension, have a little bit more necessity of focus and, and determination. And um, I thought San Jose was was a really good match for both teams. I think it was a barometer of what's to come for these last two months, all kind of teams pushing to try to make the playoffs. And there, there's that extra level of tension and extra level of uh, of needing to really stay focused for 90 minutes. And when you look specifically at the game against San Jose, I mean, we've talked a lot about home games and the importance of trying to reestablish Allianz Field as sort of that fortress, but to go on the road at this stage in the season, especially, and get another point on the road mm -hmm. and against a San Jose team that has maybe surprised some people this year and what they've been able to accomplish and where they sit in the table. What did you make of the, the San Jose game specifically? And I know you were on that trip as well. So how did you feel about the team's performance and just getting a point? 
Oh, I, I thought it was a good point. You know, sometimes I wouldn't say that. Sometimes you can say, ah, it was a, it was not a good point. But I, I thought we had a really good first half. I think the guys came out and really played well again. Um, undefeated in four since the League Cup. I got to change myself from three. And um, I just thought, you know, the, the group's in a good place right now with, in terms of confidence, in terms of dealing with diversity. So, um, you know, certainly getting the lead early and, and having some good chances could have probably two or three in the first half. Um, and then San Jose is a good team. This is a different team. Lucha Gonzalez has done a good job. They have a new identity. I think you can see uh, they've grown as a group. And they're, they came at us in the second half. And really, um, I thought Dane did a great job of uh, reminding us how good he is, and, and particularly as a shot stopper. He's unbelievable, tops in the league. So, um, But I still think even when they had those chances, we came back and we had a chance to win it a couple times where we really said, hey, we didn't try to settle for the point. I think we really went for the three points. And walked off the field proud that we, we put the fight in. And then obviously, like you just said, you know, we have five home games, three away, huge home game this week against New England. So uh, a lot on the line uh, over the next uh, couple months. And talking about those results since League's Cup, you got the win on the road against NYCFC. You got the draw, or excuse me, unbeaten, but the results. And uh, against Seattle, you got the draw. Then you get a win against Colorado before you headed to San Jose. How important was that win even against Colorado? Because it's one of those moments, and I don't know if, if you ever feel this way, but like could it be this weird trap game where you're at home, they're sitting at the bottom of the table. It's, you know, you, you should win this game. Can you really handle and take advantage of this Colorado Rapids team, which you guys absolutely did. You just laid down the hammer and got not only the goals, but also the shutout. Like how important was that? And maybe springboard into the San Jose and hopefully for the rest of the the regular season. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, we don't shy away from, we haven't been very good at home. You know, that was only a third home win this year. So it's, it was massive. I mean, for the guys to remind themselves that they can step on the field, fight and battle together, play well, and also get the three points. You know, we hadn't done that consistently enough this year, and we're going to have to do that if we're going to make the playoffs. So ultimately for me, it was a massive game. And I, I liked the fact that, um, you know, it was a game that we had to win against a team that had struggled. And so in some ways it was even harder for us because you're expected to do well. You're expected to go out and take care of business. And we hadn't quite been doing that for some of these games at home this year. And I just thought the guys put together a really good 90 minutes of soccer. And and like you said, really, you know, set the tone early and said, hey, we're, we're going to really make sure we step out the field three points. And before we necessarily jump into, you know, New England Revolution and sort of the, the next upcoming game, I want to talk a little bit about, a signing for you guys and a bit of a homecoming. And it's been kind of this weird journey for the player, Caden Clark, who's from Minnesota. Um, I remember back when I was there, you know, like I remember seeing him around once or twice, but then he went to Red Bulls and then he was at RB Leipzig and, you know, um, tried to to make his move and make his way over there. And it didn't, didn't find his way um, after being with the Red Bulls for a bit. So the signing of him, him coming back, sort of his, um cycle of his career I mean what what does he do for you guys why is he coming back why is this a good time to still make the decision to to bring him on what does he bring to you guys and tell me a little bit about what you see from this player yeah well I, it's it's I, I like that you use the word journey you know um and he's still at the beginning of his journey for his pro soccer player so it's really the beginning even even with the kind of um movement he's had so far but we actually tried to get Kate into our academy and we just well the first couple of years tried to get our academy up and running and I, he chose to instead to go to Barcelona Academy and I think um you know uh he's a high level player from this area um that you know I think uh went to Red Bulls and had a great great couple of years you know he really 
um, played really well, one touch passing, um, and his best quality was his finishing. You know, he, he found himself being a two-way midfielder who could find the box and score. He'd play right wing, but he found to get the far pace. Got a lot of great one-touch finishes. And just for a young kid to go and, and big MLS moments to kind of have that start to his career was awesome. It was really cool. Um, and with that comes a lot of accolades. And part of the accolades was being sold to Europe, to Red Bull Leipzig. And um, it's amazing. You know, it, it was good money. It was real money. And um, I think everybody was excited. And his journey there didn't quite take the same path it did with the Red Bulls. He was loaned back to the Red Bulls, you know, kind of had a year that, you know, some players have at his age where you're still trying to find where and how you're going to contribute. And certainly um, he went back to Red Bulls and it just couldn't quite click for him. Um, and he's still young enough where he's got to find the culture and path that he wants to take. And ultimately I think he really wanted to come back here. He really wanted to come back to the U S um, I think he sees that there are some players that, you know, still have a path that's here to develop and grow. And so when he wanted to do that, I think for us, you know, it's, it certainly was something that, you know, we want young, high talented players and that's what he is. And he's still at the beginning of his career and he has a lot of room to grow and he's going to contribute a lot uh, into this pro soccer game. And he's going to contribute a lot to our club just because that's the kind of player he is. What has been sort of, um, and, and you know, when you met with him or you met with his family since he's returned, What's sort of been his thought process? Because I think there's a maturation process as well from a young player like that, who, as you said, originally when this your academy first started, you guys wanted him to be a part of it, but he decided to go elsewhere. But then he's gone over to Europe and maybe it didn't go as, as he thought. I mean, that's that's the crazy part is that happens. That happens a lot, probably more often than not, where, you know, people get they, they hit this springboard in this path. They have a, a year or two that they play really well in MLS. They try their hand overseas. We've seen it with a couple of the FC Dallas players and others. And then they don't find themselves on the field and then they come back. And that's not a bad thing. That's just as you know, we were talking about part of the journey. What was his sort of thought process he's he's maybe sitting in a meeting with you guys and wants to come back and be a part of what you're doing do you guys talk about what his learning process what he learned from that journey how he's matured in this time well I think there's a lot of of thinking and going into you know um making sure that we're signing somebody who's who's hungry to grow and develop and who's hungry to to contribute to our club so um you know when we try to sign players we, we don't want to just sign players to sign them we're signing players that we feel like um, are going to give something to the club that they haven't given before. And so I think in this case for, for Caden, you know, it's still an early journey for him to realize that the adversity and challenges are, are always going to be there. Sometimes they're micro weekly challenges. Sometimes they're macro adversity, like he's gone through last year where he didn't get a lot of minutes and didn't play a lot. So ultimately for, for us, I think the, the, the balance of, of making sure he has that hunger and he's ready to continue to develop and grow uh, combined with uh, what we're trying to do here is really the most important thing, ultimately. I mean, again, for the club, for us, is to get somebody who we think can provide value and will provide value both on and off the field in this community in the future is our number one goal. So, and then I think for any player, um, Kendra, you kind of alluded to it, you know, there there is a reality that probably pretty much every player on a roster um, at some point has somebody say, now nah, they're not going to be good enough or you're not going to play or you're not going to play professional or you're not going to be a starter or you're not going to, really last very long. So I think that mentality hits guys all the time and, and really um, to be resilient and to understand that um, how you embrace and, and face those moments is part of what a professional career is. There is, there's that top end, the messy esque you know, Zlatan world, but for the most part, it really is that, you know, kind of battling through 
uh, how you're going to grow and develop to, to make an impact in the sport for your club. And I guess you don't know what you don't know. You know, sometimes the only way you figure it out or maybe learn those lessons is actually going through it. When you look at how he might fit into this group, sort of what's his timeline. And I know obviously, you know, Adrian Heath and his staff, I'm sure have had conversations, but when you're looking into bringing him back, how does he fit? You just talked about what he can do on the field, but with this group and this team, how does he, how do you see him fitting in and being most useful, especially well, I, the injuries you guys have had? Yeah, I, I would say on a macro level, obviously he's not available until January 24. So it's, it's, it's for this next year's season. So I, I think, um, you know, he, he slots very nicely into, you know, center midfield positions. Uh, he's versatile. He can play wide. So I, I think he's got a, a skill set of versatility, but probably center midfield is probably what his best position is. Um, and, and ultimately he's a kid that, embraces working hard and fitness. So when you have that baseline, uh, I, I think he'll fit in fine. You know, ultimately, like when you're going to be one of the hardest working players on the team, uh, that just already gives you an advantage in terms of making sure that you're going to contribute one way or another uh, for the group. Well, it was funny that you talk about a baseline of wanting to work hard and fitness. Bobby was having a cause. My husband was having a conversation the other day with a family friend and their son is playing ninth grade at Hill Murray. And he was like, <laughs> we do so much fitness. And, and Bobby was like, you better get used to it. Like yeah. the sooner you just embrace that yeah. as part of it, like then the better you'll be on a daily basis when you have to show up for training. <laughs> it's, it, no, it's so true. I mean, the game has evolved and, and it's really explosive fitness now too. It really is, you know, high speed running. It, it really is trying to get your body to recover your heart rate down and do it again. And so, um, you know, at, at this level, these guys have become really impressive in terms of their 90 minutes of output that they give to games. Speaking of impressed, who has, and what has, or who has impressed you the most so far about this Minnesota United team, the ups and the downs, the, the challenges, you know, cause every team, every team in this league has had challenges. So nobody's going to like take out their little violin and feel sorry for anybody with injuries and things. But you, it seems like an eternity ago that we were wondering when, and if Emmanuel Reynoso was going to come in, to this team this year. And now since he's come in at different injuries has happened, other guys have had to step up. I mean, what, what has maybe surprised you the most or who has surprised you the most maybe on this, in this 2023 season? Um, <clears throat> tough question. Uh, it wasn't on our rundowns. So I really, no, just no, 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 it's okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to give a, my, my most truthful answer is if, if I'm, if I'm looking at the scope of a team, I would say, <laughs> The family of our fans at Allianz Field has blown me away because I think for the first time since it's open, we haven't put on the product we, we anticipated or wanted to and, and played as well there or got the results we wanted. I think we played pretty well, but um, and just the energy and support they've given uh, this year has has been unbelievable. I mean, it's almost like they they have not wavered in terms of uh, believing in us and believing in the club. So um that surprised me, I guess. Uh, in terms of the the team and the players, um, I I think I was surprised at how well we 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 started the season on the road, um, and I think I was really surprised at um, how well we've embraced that all year now. You know, it, we had this little start where, um, yes, yeah, there were Renoso stuff. But we were unsure about how we were going to play or what the identity of the team was going to be, and. I think um, one of the stories of this year is the identity on the road and how resilient we are and how tough we play or organize. We really don't give up a lot of chances and a lot of goals. And um, it's led to one of the best road records in the league. Do you think there's a major shift tactically when you guys go on the road or is it more mentality or is it a combination of the two? Um, it tends to be a combination of the two. I, I think the coaching staff, you know, um, 
you know, certainly takes pride no matter what every year of, of playing well on the road. I, I think, um, you know, they, they do kind of parcel it out to the opponent, you know, where, where, where they're playing, what the other style of the other opponent is, how we're going to go about the game that day. So I, I think you got to give them credit for really, you know, kind of thinking about how we want to put our identity on the field on the road. And again, the guys have embraced it really well. And, and we really have uh state organized and structured uh, for a lot of the games. And even like San Jose, where um, people had to step up, we also just, you know, really started to take over the games at times and, and overwhelm San Jose. So for me, um, that's probably, you know, the, the biggest surprise of the group's residency on the road this year has been outstanding. When you look at this this team going forward with the games that are left on the schedule and specifically at New England coming up, it's always a little, I wouldn't say tricky, but maybe a less familiar opponent when you're playing an Eastern Conference team and you're trying to, you know, when the Western Conference games are happening and you know they could be six-point games and wherever you sit in the standings. What do you see from this New England side? And then just down the stretch, what do you see as the maybe the biggest challenge upcoming? And it's, it's crazy how you guys – jump to seventh position just from with one draw on the road. That's just how tight this conference is. And of course, making the playoffs once again is the ultimate goal, but the ultimate goal is to make it beyond within the playoffs and, and continue to achieve that. So what do you see from this team going forward and specifically against new England? Yeah, I'd say full stop ultimate goal, win a championship, win the MLS yeah. cup. So not, not playoffs. We, we want to win a trophy. Um, but I, I think the run in is, tough you know you start with new england it's a great eastern conference team you know over the historical over the last couple of years probably the best if not in the top three uh consistently and it has to do with you know carlos Hill is unbelievable creator um skilled and just really sets the tone for that team and then after that they're very balanced you know they they really um play good defensively uh you know they toughen battle they're tough and and aggressive in the midfield. And like I said, they've, they've kind of built some really nice offensive piece around Carlos. So for me, you know, it, it's a really tough Eastern conference opponent at home, which is, again, I, I like it. I like for us that we have to now win games at home to make the playoffs. And with five home games, uh, we should embrace that and get excited about the challenge this weekend. So I, I do think it's a, it's not an easy game this weekend, but we're excited for it. Like I said, the, the guys uh, have been undefeated in six and are excited to to start at home here for in September for a couple of games. Is there anything about the league this year that has surprised you that maybe someone started off a little rough and you're like, oh, they'll turn the corner like a Toronto at some point? Or is there anybody that's, you know, uh, I, even even Colorado, to be honest, I was a little surprised that they didn't figure it out at some point just with Robin Frazier and sort of the way he uh, – usually navigates things, but is there any, any surprise for you in that regard that, you know, you just thought they'd maybe turn LA galaxy. I mean, it feels like there's a few that we could go down the list and then there's some on the opposite side that might be way better than you expected and, and continue to ride the wave. Yeah. I think there's loads of them. You know, I, I think that's what I love about this sport. It's, you know, you can have a roster at the beginning of the year, but there's going to be a story told and you can't tell the story at the beginning of the season. The story has to happen through, People accepting that it's going to be hard work. There's going to have to be a lot of unity. There's going to, have to be a lot of learning. There's going to, have to be a lot of like thinking about how you want to go about being competitive in a very competitive league. So um, certainly this year, you know, you kind of mentioned some of the ones that uh, are traditional, you know, powerhouses over you know the last decade or so. So there's no doubt. Um, I think the stress and the tension of the league it just keeps building and building because there's more and more investment and more and more investment. And I think that just is going to even accelerate, particularly with the messy effect. And now 
um, listen, we all are supposed to win. That's what we're what's what we're here for. We have to think about how do we problem solve the win and how do we put a competitive product that wins trophies. So ultimately, all of this kind of growth and all of the failures of some of these teams just means that they are going to be thinking about how they're going to get more competitive. And we're doing the same thing. We're thinking about not only this year, but how are we going to grow and build the identity of our team to make sure that we are winning, we're dealing with the adversity, and we're dealing with the times when things get tough. Um, when you look at some of the Western Conference opponents, and I think I think New England is your last Eastern, only Eastern Conference opponent left on the slate. The rest are all West, to, to my knowledge. Um, what about what St. Louis has been able to do, or what about maybe what Ben Olsen or or Houston has done? Like, were you were you surprised at all that that sort of turned around? I'm just like trying to look at more of a broader perspective of the league because you guys now are established. I mean, it feels like you guys are now you're in your seventh season, correct? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, as an MLS club, it feels like so well established when you look at some of these other places and what they've been able to do, whether it's St. Louis brand new Houston with another coaching change, anything in particular? Yeah. Well, I, I, you just brought up one that, um, you know, I think we're the North, but sometimes I sneak in we're the Midwest and I would say, uh, I'm so excited for St. Louis. I, I mean, I, I think people who know me, I always say, that is historically the greatest soccer city in the U.S. It, it to me is the most important soccer city. If you're looking over a hundred years in terms of the growth of the game in this country, in terms of the amount of players it's produced, and just the passion and type of um, uh, youth soccer uh, in particular, but even men's and men's high-level amateur when there was no professional league in the '50s and '60s, that was the the market where all the players came from. So for me to watch and see a Midwest team. Um, get a new franchise, get the energy and this new stadium and an ownership group and a town believing in the way they are. Oh, and it's a great sports town. Uh, I, I cannot be anything but super excited for them. And then, you know, uh, the challenges of being an expansion team, although it's a little bit different, there's more money now and how you can go into it, but it still is hard. It's hard to create an identity and do that. And they've done a great job. I mean, ultimately, um, you know, you're at the point in the season where they have whatever they do, it doesn't matter because they've already shown uh, an amazing, if not potentially the, the most successful uh, expansion team ever, or probably at least in the top three. So full credit to them. They, they've made that place a fortress. Uh, they played really well on the road. Um, they're tough to break down. They battle. They work hard. They got a fan base that gets after it and supports them. So uh, a really great story for the league and a great story for the Midwest because I, I do believe in the Midwest. I believe um, in what we do in this part of the country. And, um, you know, we do have a great soccer history uh, that I think is really important to the story of U.S. soccer. So and then Houston, to me, I think has shown, you know, <clears throat> it definitely a a, uh, a team that has had a great U.S. Open Cup run and has had a great season. I don't think on the road they've been very good. I think their identity on the road has been struggle, but they certainly at home and have really, you know, started to remind me of the Houston teams of old when Dom Kinnear coached uh, there and they won their championship. So they've done a really good job of, um, of really turning a, a franchise around. What's on the, the horizon for this club. I talked to Amos McGee last week about sort of the academies and the youth system and what you guys are doing over there and how it's built and and the the co-op, the cooperation with um, Spring Lake Park and the home 
um, the homestays and all these different things that you guys are now doing to build that continue to build, I should say at the younger levels to feed into what you guys are doing at the, in the first team level, what's, what's on the horizon, what, what excites you about sort of that process. And then as you're turning the page to the rest of 2023 and looking ahead to 2024. Yeah, I think I just, it's exciting time, I think, because we're really thinking about how we can integrate our Academy, our second team, our first team, into models that we think will make us more competitive uh, in the short and long term for MLS for the future and really create a club that, you know, we're proud of that can develop players, but also use the academy to kind of spark growth and soccer growth in the community for boys and girls, frankly, and and grow the, the game, grow leagues, grow the experience of every youth soccer kid, boy or girl, whatever level, um, really start to think about how that type of energy will affect the first team because it, it'll start to really grow the sport and and both on the academy level, but also the fan level and, and how this great sport can really make an impact in the community. And then I think it goes into the second team where, you know, we're, we're in our second year, we're learning a lot. We learned a lot from the first year. We're going to learn a lot from this year to next year. And again, the goal is to really, you know, hone in on all of these channels and how can we make them competitive and make them an identity of our club that really filters up to making this first team competitive, making the roster of the first team, you know, a balanced roster that that has youth, that has experience, that has players in their prime, because all are important. Every every roster in the world has to have all those elements. And I think having uh, support uh, of the ownership group to make investment in these areas, having a league that also wants to push it competitively. So you really have to push your own academy and your own second team. Uh, it's an exciting, exciting time. Like I, I've, I think I said it to somebody before. I don't think there's a better time to be a pro soccer player in the U.S. or an aspiring pro soccer player in the U.S. Well, and on that note, just the last thing, because I think we've pretty much deep dived on everything Minnesota United for right now and the league. What about having like the men's national team here again in, in coming up here on September 12th? And I know that's something else that this city, this community, you guys as a club and the fan base here in Minnesota takes a lot of pride in that this is a place that the men's and women's national teams want to come and play and and be at Allianz Field and the support it receives from you guys as a club when they train up there and then also when they come to the stadium. And we've, we've talked to, you know, to we beat the dead horse on the February 2nd freezing cold game, but just moving forward, even what we need to see, you know, going forward and why it's so important that the men's and women's national teams want to continue to come back here. Yeah, I would say, um, first of all, you know, put a little pressure on the game. We're undefeated, but men's and women have not <laughs> lost an alliance field. So let's keep that going. Um, I think we just take a ton of pride. You know, I, I think it starts with the community, who we are, how we kind of approach hosting people here. Uh, and then I think we take pride in that we have one of the best stadiums in the league. I mean, hands down, Allianz Field is an amazing place to to play. It's an amazing place, I think, to to probably put on the national team jersey and represent your country. Um, I certainly, uh, you know, really get excited to host them up at our training facility. I think they've always liked our training fields and liked the environment and like what we try to do up here. Um, so we're excited, excited to see Greg next week, excited to see him back for the first time uh, in a while on the bench and excited to see that group roll out. And, uh, you know, it's always interesting to have national breaks and it's exciting uh, time to be a fan a little bit. Awesome. Well, thanks, Manny. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll see you. I'll be there September 12th, but I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Bye guys. We'll see you.
From graduation parties to corporate luncheons, we all have special occasions that could use a special host location. Regardless of the event, Allianz Field is the perfect spot for you with a variety of unique spaces to choose from, including the roof deck, stadium club, owner suite, and more. Minnesota United's home ground has a space to fit any kind of gathering. Give your event the professional treatment it deserves. Learn more and book your spot at Allianz Field today by visiting mnufc.com slash private events. 